Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. I was just talking with Alex about a catchphrase. He's Alex work, Senior. He's, he's working on a catchphrase out there in the uh, newsroom, Alex in the newsroom. So, uh, Like for the show or his own catchphrase? For his own, for his own catchphrase. Right. Mm-hmm. Good one the Every, other day. Everybody's branding these days. Yeah, exactly. You have to brand. Uh, live yeah. from Studio C. See, Senor? Dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. And today, air buddy, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Dog the Bounty Hunter. Okay, wow, interesting. Why? He has now entered the search for the infamous Brian Laundry. Oh, Brian okay. Dirty Laundry. Okay. As I've taken to calling him. He is actually a murderer of an innocent young woman. Probably, almost certainly. Yeah. Um, uh, and Dog the Bounty Hunter is uh, involved somehow? Yes, he has announced that he is now involved and the tips are already pouring in. He believes he knows where the man either is or was. A campground about 70 miles away from the laundry basket home. Speaking of branding, uh, so he had a TV show 20 years ago. He's got to be getting a little long in the tooth, isn't he? And long in the hair. He's got his long hair and his vest. There He's was, got a look. He's got a brand. There was a dude in Wyoming yesterday that came forward and said he thinks he ran into uh, Brian Laundry at a bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, anger guy down at the end of the bar who looked unhappy. I don't know. Every every young person <laughs> looks like this guy. Shaved head, beard. So yeah. he looks like yeah. what I would have looked like when I was 30. So... The other aspect of this that's notable is it is now absolutely known that uh, the Utah cops were told that Brian had struck, perhaps repeatedly, uh, Gabby. That the, the man was indeed physically assaulting the woman. Maybe it was mutual combat, but so them saying, look, the two of you cool off, go to neutral corners. I don't know what Utah law says. Uh, uh, obviously... Hindsight being twenty twenty, mm-hmm. the idea that they would just you know send them off, and then the violence escalated as it often does is it's pretty damn troubling. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, you know you can't say if they'd handled it differently, it would have come out differently. It might have just delayed things or, or what have you. But right. It is troubling. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you do have to look at it that way because um. So if they had taken it more seriously, he would have spent a day in jail, and then they get back together and drive around. Man, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. It's there are no simple solutions in uh, violent relationships. No, it's an ugly story. It is. It um, is. Uh, we need to move on definitely, uh, just so as not to sour the mood. If you'll excuse me, I need to take a sip of my hot bear urine. Hmm. <laughs> That's gross. Factors, factors into a story we'll get to later this hour. Uh, I don't even want to repeat it. Uh, so Nancy <laughs> Pelosi announced last night, because I'm, I'm into this legislation this week. I want to know if we're going to turn into France this week. It doesn't look like we're going to turn into France this week. It's still on the table for turning into France in the near future. But she announced last night that they are going to vote on the small one, the small one being a trillion and a half dollars yeah. uh, later this week. That's the one that 
is bipartisan and kind of in theory infrastructure. Um, and uh, so the left of our party had vowed we will not vote for that one unless you put the big one on the floor at the same time. The Francification bill. Right? Francification bill. And she said, I ain't going to do that last night. So she must have twisted enough arms or convinced enough people to go ahead and vote for the smaller one. And then they'll then they'll get to the big one in coming weeks. So that's what it looks like it's going to happen if the AOC crowd goes along with it. How long must we wait for tree equity? Tree yeah. equity, one of the most notable of a laundry list of crazy crap that's stuffed into the francification bill. I mean, it's just, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Tree equity, right. That is one of them. Uh, this yeah. is just, you know, I, I had the benefit of growing up a curious little kid with uh, some pretty well-informed uh, parents. In Chicagoland, and Chicago has long been mobbed up and corrupt, and I learned at an early age what that looks like. And what it looks like is you have a grand-sounding but very vague program with lots of money to be handed out. And that money's going to go to somebody. Gee, I wonder who, and I wonder what they're going to do with it. That's never really tracked. Right. Um, and to tree equity. Great. Yeah, I'm a uh, equity arborist now. I'm, I'm going to make myself a certificate and hang it on my wall and start advertising myself as an equity arborist. See if I can get some of the federal money. So today, old General Milley is going to be um, uh, on the stand, kind of, uh, in front of uh, senators and answering questions him and Secretary of Defense Austin about Afghanistan. Well, Republicans will probably ask, ask about Afghanistan. Democrats are going to ask about the Woodward book and uh, try to paint Trump as awful. So that's what will go on today. But I'm kind of interested in what questions will be asked about Afghanistan, who knew what, when, and how the heck it ended up being such a disaster. And we'll see if anything comes out of that today. I, I realize I have the attention span of the modern human, um, but uh, why did it take so long? That know. seems like last month's news. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know. That's just the way it works, I guess. Hmm. Um, and then a bunch of other stuff to get to. Uh, the changing nature of the way the government does and doesn't work. Not that I want to talk about the government all freaking day long. But I uh, came across some just amazing statistics about that. That that are really eye-opening to how things are different now than they used to be, they, than, than, than not that long ago. Things are mm. definitely different than they were not that long ago. People are pouring over those crime statistics, those murder statistics, and trying to figure out why the hell we had a 30% jump in one year in murders. Simone Biles is speaking out as to what happened there at the Olympics. Everybody was wondering at the time. Lots of stuff to talk about. And, of course, Joe is going to explain to us why he's drinking hot bear urine. Well, my, my shaman recommended it, but uh, it's... Uh, you have your it's, own it, shaman. It's a little tough to choke down, honestly, but she assures me it's the good stuff. So uh, <laughs> We need to start the show officially. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. Is How did it already get to be? A Tuesday in September, uh, the 28th year, 2021, where Armstrong and Getty and we approve of this program. All right, let's begin now, officially according to FCC rules and regs. Here we go, beginning the show at Mark. Producers of the Netflix series Tiger King announced last week that the show will return later this year for a second season. Well, that can't be good, said Carol Baskin's current husband. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! A Tiger King joke that actually made me laugh. Uh, how does mailbag look? It's outstanding. Some really good stuff. Cool. The all, folks have, have really come through. All that stuff on the way. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong 
Show. Crazy people drinking bear urine. Crazy legislation turning America into France. Crazy border policies yielding exactly the sort of consequences you'd think they were if you're not crazy. All of that to come this hour. First year. Yes. I'm having one of those days where I can't walk with a cup of coffee. We've talked about that before, how some days your body can just like you adjust your cup as you walk so that it doesn't slosh. And then some days you do it just exactly the opposite and slosh it around. Right. Well, and if you have to think about it, you're doomed. Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to do it, you're doomed. Yeah. It's one of the most amazing things the human brain does. I don't know if they'll ever be able to make a robot that can walk down the hall with a cup of coffee and not swirl it around. Well, those Boston Dynamic robots that can do somersaults and handsprings and the rest of it will kill us all before, you know. We get a chance to build the new coffee-carrying Rip robot. off our heads and poop down our throats. That's what they'll do. Exactly. That's an odd thing for a robot to do. Mailbag. Oh, I'm sorry. Freedom-loving quote of the day first. Uh, that's a couple of good quotes from John Stuart Mill on Liberty, a book that uh, was very influential to, on me in my college days. And the Founding Fathers. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, this is sent by Roy who uh, signs off Semper Fi. I believe Roy was uh, a Marine. You're always a Marine. Prior active Marine. Uh, Let's see. The feckless administration's failing to do what's right in California. He's a Californian. And in D.C. made me think about this one. Spot on. From John Stuart Mill, quote, A person may cause evil to others, not only by his actions, but by his inaction. And in either case, he is justly accountable to them for the injury. Mm. I'd say that's absolutely true of government in some some ways but uh that's the opening band here's your headliner love this it's band book week by the way okay as the librarians of the world uh, decreasingly uh, defend the free exchange of ideas uh, john stuart mill said quote the general or prevailing opinion in any subject is rarely or never the whole truth it is only by the collision of adverse opinions that the remainder of the truth has any chance of being supplied. Wow, now that's interesting. That is terrific. Yeah. I'm going to keep that around. Thanks for sending it, Roy. Well done. In other words, you need to have uh, some people questioning the vaccine in a conversation to get sure. to, to where the, the truth is. Yeah, the whole truth. So. Rarely. Is the general or prevailing opinion in any subject the whole truth? So the idea, never, so the idea of we're banning any pushback against these topics is not a way to get to the truth. Oh, Lord, no. It's the opposite. Now, here's your mailbag. A uh, number of world travelers weighing in today, Jack. Mailbag has an international flavor. <laughs> First of all, Perry from Thailand, who is a friend of Armstrong and Getty, over 10 years. When Mr. Biden said those agents on horseback will be punished, will it be the same punishment he gave to those monsters who murdered our military at the Kabul airport? Yeah, Joe Biden's going to snuff out a Culligan man in his family. Oh, boy. Let's see, moving along. Uh, Tom writes, speaking of the nonagenarian president, Can someone please get the word out to President Biden that he doesn't need to hold a special conference to let the American people watch him get a damn shot in the arm? What's next? An on-air peek into his mouth for a cleaning during Oral Health Month in June? (laughs) Or why not go live for a prostate exam? September is National Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. He still has a few days to make it happen. We were watching it live. It was not, uh, the stagecraft was not good. Somebody had failed to recognize how difficult it is to roll up the sleeve of a dress shirt. 
if you were normally going in with a dress shirt on, like I'm wearing today, I would take my shirt off. You would not try to roll up the sleeve on a dress shirt, clear up to your shoulder. You can't really hardly do it. It can't be done. Well, I did it on Joe Biden, but it took him forever. You got to have some real linguine arms to, to pull that off. <laughs> Of course, Joe Biden's fighting corn pop days are behind him. That's yeah. true. Well, that bad at Kev Care. Although he did threaten uh, to to take Trump out behind the gym, right? Yeah. Something like that. But he challenged know, him to a push-up contest. That's somebody his own age. No wonder he can't roll up his sleeves. He's doing push-up contests with fellow, you know, 80-year-olds. Uh, okay, here you go. Dave uh, from Lincoln. I'm not sure if that's Lincoln, California or Lincoln, Nebraska. But anyway, on the road in South Korea, catching up on yesterday's A&G International Show. Here's a question. And, and his title of this email, which is brilliant, is Free Britney and America. What's the difference between our current government and the way it's trending in the Britney Spears conservatorship? Britney's family set up constant surveillance, surveillance forced medication, and strictly limited her freedoms, all under the auspice that Brittany needed to be taken care of because she wasn't fit to take care of herself. Seemingly, Brittany's father was given total control of her life, forcing her to do things she didn't want to do, so he and whoever he decided could live and benefit from her labor. If there's another modern, real-world example of what can happen if you give the government, or anyone other than yourself, too much control over you, I'd really like to see it. That's really good. Mm. Uh, for anyone who doesn't appreciate the freedom-loving quotes of the day, think of Brittany. It's happening to us right now. Uh, nice job, Dave. On the road in South Korea, enjoying spicy chicken and such. I haven't watched any of the Brittany documentary. I doubt that I will. Uh, if y'all do and you see anything interesting, feel free to uh, hip us to it. Yeah, I've got a list of documentaries I want to watch, but uh, uh, the pennant race is going on. I'm watching a lot of baseball. Let's see. Was there... Oh. Oh, I like this from uh, Roy. Uh, your report on the increase in murder and violent crimes provoked me to dig deeper into the FBI's percentage increases. And, yeah, I did the same. And, look, some decreases. Hooray! One number seemed misleading or perhaps just less credible. Property crime is down, they say. But since property crime includes larceny, thefts, petty burglaries, I had to think many jurisdictions raised the threshold for grand larcenies. And the courts have made it more of an offense for a merchant to stop a shoplifter than the crime being perpetrated. Hmm. Yeah, that's well said. Plus, a lot of Americans were home, so there weren't as many burglaries. And no one's talking about the fact that violent, riotous acts were basically allowed by governments in big cities across the land. Told criminals that violence often goes unpunished. Add to that, violent criminals who may have pled down to shortened sentences sentences were let out early for a variety of reasons to reduce prison populations and risk of COVID outbreaks. And violent crimes and murder went up last year, you say. Yet no one's saying out loud what's obvious. Explain, Osage ones. Yeah, the uh, the giant increase in murders, which is stunning and should be a national conversation to try to figure out what the hell's going on, coincided with the 18 months of the pandemic. But also coinciding with the 18 months of the pandemic, pretty close, was George Floyd being killed and the riots that followed. And, man, that happened all across the country. And, and the word got out that just, you can do this now. And right. police forces pulled back because of the way the uh, police were being treated around all that other stuff. And so, yeah, that's got to be in the conversation. Well, and combine that with the fact that two of the most populous states began uh, releasing felons 
from prisons to reduce prison populations for reasons of COVID and also just woke politics. You have DAs in L.A. and San Francisco, for instance, both of whom are Marxists who think the only reason people commit crimes is they haven't instituted a communist utopia yet. So you ball all those things up and you get a huge increase in murder. Then I go over to Twitter and uh, somebody mentioned, wow, look at this increase in murders and it proves blah, blah, blah. And the response was immediately from all sorts of people. That was on Trump's watch. Oh, boy. It's about Trump. Trump did it. God, people are stupid. Oh, boy. Biggest jump in murders by far, probably in our nation's history, and not even a close second. So, yeah, we should be looking at that. Yeah, here, here. So, so there's a story out about how the last days of Afghanistan went down. Coming out today, kind of interesting, with uh, Millie and Austin on the stand taking questions. Um, that you haven't heard. You haven't heard this story, and it's uh, it's confusing. So we'll hit you with that on the way. Plus the bear urine update. Should you be drinking it? Is somebody suggesting we do? Well, yeah, it's related to a story. Is it for COVID or? This is just general Is it a new diet? Sure it is. (laughs) The bear diet? No, no, it's none of those things. It's, It's related to a news story, a significant news story. We have a mating crisis that is about to occur in the United States of America that we ought to discuss also. I was just reading about that. I stand ready to do my part. (laughs) Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Indian press is much better behaved than the American press. (laughs) I got to watch out, though. Not one of those genres. And uh, I think, with your permission, you should not answer questions because they won't ask any questions on point. As he sat down with Prime Minister Modi last week, the president said that the Indian press is better behaved than the U.S. press, and then he advised him not to take questions. Can you explain why the American president was criticizing U.S. reporters in that setting? Well, I would note first that he took questions on Friday, and he took questions again today. And I think what he said is that they're not always on point. Now, I know that isn't uh, something that anyone wants to hear uh, in here. um, But what I think he was conveying is, you know, today he might want to talk about COVID vaccine. Some of the questions are about that. He might want to talk about um, and and some of the questions are not always about the topic he's talking about in that day. Oh, Hmm. so we're only supposed to talk about what you want to talk about. Oh, okay. Oh, the free press is (laughs) guided by the government as to what they can ask. That's a perfectly reasonable explanation. Jen. And if you're not discussing what they want you to talk about, for instance, if you're talking about COVID while Afghanistan's falling apart, if we're, those questions aren't on point, so you're just not no. going to take questions at all. Exactly. Bingo. I get it. Okay. And the Indian press, which has much less freedom than the American press, is uh, much more obedient. And the president praised them for that. <laughs> I tell you, it is difficult to picture an administration self-destructing more quickly than this one. Oh, plunging approval numbers, too. Uh, we can talk about that. Let me get this out of the way so I can stop uh, repeating the unfortunate phrase. Mm-hmm. So we got some of these facts the other day. One of the fires that is scorching Cal Unicornia, the fawn fire in the far north of the state, um, a woman's been arrested, 30-year-old Alexandra Suverneva, who is a former forestry student but describes her current job as a shaman. Now, on to be accurate on this, as accuracy is my hallmark. Jack, a shaman is a person regarded 
regarded as having access to and influence in the world of good and evil spirits, Hmm. especially among some people of Northern Asia and North America. Uh, Rituals, trances, uh, divination, healing, etc. The whole package. Anyway, so as a shaman, she said during questioning that she had found a puddle containing bear urine and was attempting to light a fire to boil the liquid. She was not setting a forest fire. She was boiling bear urine to drink. However, she claimed she couldn't get the fire lit, so she drank the liquid anyway and went on oh, with her hike. Oh, my God. Mm. Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> not even fresh bear urine. Well, it doesn't really speak to the freshness. A puddle of who knows how old bear urine. Yeah. That's well, disgusting. she's a shaman, so she's probably good at, you know, determining its freshness. Yeah. Or something. What I don't know. It's bear urine. How do you know some guy just didn't so, you know, so, believe himself? So several of the biggest fires in U.S. history uh, and California history have been set by complete nut jobs in the last couple of months. Either nut jobs or PG&E. Yeah. So Afghanistan continues to be looked at and will be today as the SecDef and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs are both being questioned. But this story is out today. Um, I'll just read it to you. In the final days of the U.S. troop withdrawal from Afghanistan, a top American general met with Taliban leaders in Qatar and warned them to keep their forces out of Kabul for a few more days or else face a threat of U.S. airstrikes. This is the very sort of thing that we were all discussing. Why aren't we doing this? Or why haven't we done this? Or are they having conversations behind the scenes? General Frank McKenzie, the head of U.S. Central Command, sat across from the Taliban leader and showed him a map with a circle around Kabul, about 20 to 30 uh, kilometers. That's 12 to 18 miles outside the city. This would have been like on Friday or Saturday, I guess, if you remember that weekend. McKenzie told uh, the Taliban leader that Taliban fighters had to stay outside the circle or the United States would strike them. McKenzie explained the U.S. would finish its withdrawal as soon as possible and the Taliban must not interfere. Now, this is three senior defense officials that told NBC News this story. Hmm. The Taliban representatives agreed not to interfere. They pointed out they already had fighters inside the circle in some places and those fighters would not leave. McKenzie explained his mission was the safe withdrawal of Americans and allies. The Taliban leaders agreed to let Americans leave and offered to provide a liaison for security around the airport. Okay, so we, we threatened them. You go into Kabul, we're going to bomb the crap out of you. Taliban says, okay, we'll stay out. The next day, the Taliban fighters rolled into Kabul and took over the town. And no U.S. warplanes bombed the insurgents, the three senior defense officials said. Because they now had us by the you-know-whats and... Uh, and, and we had to depend on them for security. Well, the why we didn't strike them like we threatened to do is a bit confusing, and nobody seems to have the answer to that, but I have a feeling this story broke today so that perhaps some Congress people can ask the SecDef and others why we didn't bomb them. Well, you can yell at me for this if you want, but if I'm advising those generals, if I'm on the president's staff, I'm saying, look, the only way we get any of our people now out now is under the good graces of the Taliban. But why they now we, have us absolutely by the throat. But why didn't we bomb them before they got into the city? They're, they're 18 miles from the city. It's going to take a little while to get all your people in there. Bomb the bejesus out of them. That's what we threatened to do. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I just, <clears throat> I, I mean, don't know. We, if we was... all watched it. I watched it on TV. We all followed in the news. They just swept across the country. Why didn't we? Well, they, we did sit down across from them and say, look, you crossed this line, and we're just going to bomb the crap out of you. 
We got all these planes right over here, loaded with bombs. It's easy for us to do. You've seen us do it before. Why didn't we? Well, nobody knows the answer to that. Maybe we'll find out today. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just think they swept so quickly into and through Afghanistan. Where are you going to bomb them? Well, I mean, it's a major city. It's stuffed full of people. They were okay. in already. Well, if if what you're saying is correct, and it may be, then I think you get to your uh, your parenting principle you're always talking about of, uh, you know, don't uh, don't have a sanction you don't plan to follow through on. Don't sit across from the Taliban leader and say, if you cross this line, we're going to bomb you. If you're not actually right. going to bomb them. Right, all indeed. that is telling them is they get to do whatever they want, which is what they did. Well, uh, my point is, and, and maybe I'm making it poorly, if the Afghan forces had supplied like 35 minutes worth of resistance, then you can bomb the Taliban because they're, you know, arrayed in, you know, a crescent around the city or whatever. If they just pour in without opposition whatsoever, when are you going to bomb them? I don't know. Before they get that close. You know, the whole uh, story of the Taliban working uh, systematically for months and months, going post to post, sending emissaries, every town, every hamlet, every county in in Afghanistan, and explaining to the forces there, hey, fellas, we're going to come in, we're going to come in hard, we're going to slaughter every single one of you, and it's not going to be pretty. Or, if you want, we'll give you the word when to uh, to, uh, uh, surrender, and we'll just send you home to your farms with with a friendly handshake. And virtually every fighter in Afghanistan went for that deal, with the exception of the special forces. The senior defense officials said that after President Joe Biden announced his decision to to uh, to leave uh, by September 11th, the U.S. military was ready within weeks to present a plan for a possible large-scale evacuation of Afghans and others from Kabul. But White House and State Department officials declined the offer and asked that the topic be taken off the agenda for a meeting May 8th, a senior defense official said. So it sounds like the military is uh, is is covering its behind, um, and maybe properly so. Before this hearing today, which is starting right now, they're wanting to get the word out here. Out, hey, we had a plan. We presented it to the White House to get everybody out. We were ready to go. They said no, and the reporting from NBC News again talking to senior officials anonymously that the White House and State Department was reluctant for, uh, they didn't want to send the signal that we were in a hurry to get out because they thought it would destabilize the government. So that was their calculation, which obviously did not turn out well. It was not a good calculation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he has been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades, said Robert Gates of Joe Biden. Well, he was wrong about this one. So the military, it's interesting how these stories come out, isn't it? So you got the first big grilling of the SecDef and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs today by senators. And a story breaks with anonymous reporting from senior Pentagon officials saying, we had a plan, we had it completely ready to go, we presented it to the White House, and they said no. That's not an accident that that story came out today. No, indeed. If we learned anything through the Russia collusion hoax, it's that there are plenty of leakers and they're following their own uh, interests in D.C. And and even if this is true, they don't want to sit up there and get beaten up by all these senators for, how did you have a plan? How did you let this happen? We didn't let this happen. We had a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Ask the old man in the White House why we didn't do it. Don't ask me. I was ready to go. Sure, they're not suffered the pressure. (laughs) Our great leader, 
perfect, Michael. Um, they, they're not going to be that direct uh, there in the, the Senate. They can't be. It's disrespectful to their commander-in-chief, sure. so you're seeing no. it leaked instead. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. No. we got a mating problem in this country we need to talk about later. Well, it's a coming mating problem. Is there just ain't enough men? Uh, we talked about how there's way too many women. Well, there's way not, too many is a, a ridiculous thing to say. There are way more women than men in college now. And uh, you're going to have a lot of broke, unemployed, unmarriable men is the theory here. So we'll yeah, talk about that. That's part, yeah. Mating problem. Women's, this is your time. This is your time where you pick or men. Is it Who's got the advantages? The seller's market. Who's the seller? <laughs> well, if you're a college-educated man at There this you point, go. You pick yeah. and choose. Right, exactly. Huh? Line them up like it's a beauty pageant. <laughs> you, yes. You, no. You, yes, yes, no. <laughs> on to round two. Okay, more on a whole bunch of different things. Uh, you got any comment on any of this? Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The coming mating problem we've got in America. We'll get to that in just a second. First, um, yesterday I was wearing a dress shirt that still had the plastic thing on the sleeve. That thing that beeps when you walk out the door if you're uh, a thief. Security, what's it? Yeah. I bought like, you know, a bunch of shirts at once and they must have missed taking the tag off that one. So when I got home, it was still on there, and uh, so I just wore my shirt to work yesterday with the plastic thing on there. But um, I had removed one from a pair of jeans years ago with a pair of pliers, and the way they're designed is if you pull it apart with a pair of pliers, this ink squirts out all over your clothes, and it doesn't come out. Um, so I didn't want to do that. So I was wondering, is there a trick for getting those off, or do you got to go back to the store? And a bunch of people texted in and said, a strong magnet does it. If you put a strong magnet on the back of it, you can just pull the pin out. So... I'm going to try that when I get home. So if you ever have that problem, there's a little life hack for you. Do you have a strong magnet? Um, somewhere I probably do. My kids yeah, my kids have magnets. Yeah, that's nice. Um, I can see how if you didn't have kids, you might not have a magnet around. I don't think I do. Um, uh, a friend of mine got the COVID. This is the first person like I, like I I that I hang around regularly in a year and a half of this whole thing. This is the first person that I hang around regularly that got the COVID, which is kind of interesting. But uh, he was not vaccinated, and uh, he had a fever briefly on Sunday and feels fine now. And he said, I wasn't worried before I got it. I'm not worried now that I've got it, and I won't be worried after I got it. So that's his current feeling about it as a non-vaccinated guy that's in the prime of life and healthy. Um, and uh, maybe next hour we'll get to this basketball player that's making the rounds on uh, social media because he's there are a number of NBA teams because the NBA is trying to force everybody to get vaccinated. And there's a couple players that are saying, I'm, I'm not getting vaccinated. So it's become a real problem. But one particular NBA player was asked in a press conference, why aren't you getting vaccinated? And his answer is pretty damned interesting. Hmm. So we'll have that for you next hour. Yeah, there was a lieutenant colonel in the armed forces. I can't remember what branch she's with, but she uh, published a long, detailed, scientific um, uh, account, uh, editorial, on why she is uh, bound to report up the chain of command that she thinks for fit young men, the vaccine carries much more risk than the disease because of the myocarditis. 
um, and and how it can be catastrophic if it's undiagnosed when guys are doing strenuous physical activity. Hmm. As opposed to the incredibly tiny chance of mortality among, say, a 24-year-old fit male or males uh, when you're talking about the Chinese bat fever. An NYU professor is out making the round saying we're about to have a mating crisis in America because of the stats that we talked about last week that fewer men than women are attending college by quite a bit. It's about 60-40 across the country. And, the, and trending to get worse. For this new school year, 60-40 women to men in universities, which is its own problem, even if it doesn't become a mating problem. That's And again, like Joe said, if, it, if it's trending further that direction, okay, say next step is 80-20, 70-30, what, 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 what does that mean for society and why, why are we, why? The why is the only question. Why is this happening? Uh, we talked about that a lot last week. But anyway, he said, we have a mating inequality in this country, adding that women with college degrees don't want to partner with men who don't hold a degree. I don't know how much I think that's a given fact. but I, I've, Yeah, I've seen that over and over again. I believe that to be true. You think so? I, it's, not, it's not 100% or anything like that. It's a tendency. The most dangerous person in the world is a broken, alone male, and we are producing too many of them, he said. That has been true worldwide, certainly. Uh, he said the most unstable, violent societies in the world all have one thing in common. Young, depressed men who aren't attached to work, aren't attached to school, and aren't attaching to relationships. That is definitely true, because you hear that all the time about the Middle East. The population they've got of young men without jobs and uh, and relationships and how that leads to revolutions, violence, getting into various weird groups, believing weird things. Fair amount of unrest in China, too, after their one-child policy and selective abortions of girl children and, and the rest of it. They have a huge imbalance, male I'm, to female. I'm sure I'm not as convinced as this NYU professor is that a college is the uh, uh, answer to all ills for all human beings, that that's just what you have to do. I'm sure he's certain that, that you've just got to go to college to have a happy life. But, um, you know, it's just it's just weird. That we've got this imbalance. That's funny. I didn't take that from the article at all. I just I I didn't take it from the article. I'm just saying I'll bet that's what he's like. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's as an NYU professor. I'm sure that's what he thinks. And I would suggest that if you are a uh, a young woman with a probably mostly worthless college degree, working a uh, cubicle type job, which is fine. You got to make a living. I've had crappy jobs too. Um, Go ahead and and get that uh, HVAC guy or that uh, you know yeah it's kind of plumber it, or whatever. It's interesting that that assumption is made, and whether it's true or not, I don't know. That college educated women are not going to are unlikely to partner up with uh, non college educated men. So you're pushing papers in a cubicle job you hate for a low wage, and you don't want to marry that guy over there who got into uh, whatever career he got into, and he's making six figures a year because he didn't go to college. That seems kind of crazy. Well, and, uh, you know, this guy may be right, this professor who we're quoting. On the other hand, the beast has a way of adapting to its circumstances, and it could be that prejudice about uh, college-educated, oh. not college-educated. It'll fade away. I think it's. I think it will just because of reality. Don't you think all the people out there with the college debt working, not, I know not all of you end up this way, but I know plenty of people that are in this situation. Not, uh, you got college debt, you're working a job you don't like, and you, it, it has to at least bubble up in your mind sometimes, what, what did I get out of going to college? Sure. Sometimes it's got to pop into your head when you're doing this job. Anywho, um, by mating, I assume they mean like getting together and marrying stuff like that. I have a feeling that the old oingo boingo is still going to happen. Uh, it's certainly, uh, I hope so. Yeah. 
Wow. In the fall of 2020, UCLA expanded enrollment by 3,000 students, and 90% of those spots were filled by women. Well, universities, for the past several years especially, have been making it very clear that men are the root of evil, particularly white men, but men in general are the root of all evil. Toxic masculinity, anything that comes naturally to men is a bad thing that needs to be stamped out. What kind of an environment is that that welcomes men to that, you know, would want to be around that? Right. And there are some that believe the massive medication of little boys in America, because they acted like little boys, um, discouraged a lot from uh, academic pursuits. And, mm. and it hurt their self-image and that sort of thing. Uh, I, I don't know if that's true, but it certainly could be part of the stew. Interesting. Yeah. Um, speaking of universities, Bill Maher, Friday night on his program on HBO, was talking about the... I didn't know this was so common. The trend towards segregated dorms and lunchrooms and graduations and all these different things across the country. We've gone backwards decades in that respect. And we'll talk about that a little coming up. Uh, and if, you, if you've had this experience with uh, your kids at college or you at college, text line 415-295-KFTC. Yeah, Western uh, Washington University just announced they're now going to have a black floor or two. For, for the black kids, segregated. If you tried to do that on purpose not many years ago, you'd have National Guard troops outside of your college making oh, yeah. sure that didn't happen. You'd be fired if not jailed. If you miss an hour, get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.